You're listening to Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, episode 68, featuring Amazing Spider-Man number 212 and Uncanny X-Men number 141 from October 1980. And welcome to the 68th episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles podcast. I am your host, Pat, a.k.a. DJ Chris Tatos. Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles is a podcast that will journal the Amazing Spider-Man comic book issues read chronologically by the release date, along with another comic from my comic book collection, either in digital, in a trade, or from the many long boxes stashed away in my basement. Each episode, we will provide short recaps, reviews, and ratings of the issues for this release date. The goal is to keep me actively reading through my collection and having fun along the way, talking about them with my friends. And speaking about my friends, you know what? We may be down one friend, Delvin the Dark Web Williams, who won't be with us, but don't let that discourage you from continuing to listen on because we have my normal friends, and we have my big friends with me here, all that are live in the chat. So we really do appreciate everybody watching us live and come in, join the LBC family and join us as you will be a big part of today's show. Let's go ahead and get to the main people joining me today. We got Jared Elbrick, a.k.a. Death Crow. Hello, Pat. Being this is our first live show of 2023. Uh, I kept up with a little something that you all forgot about for the entirety of 2022, and I want to reveal that the, the tallies are in, and I won the most tallies last year. So congratulations to me winning all those tallies. I am the champion of 2022. Wait, wait, wait a minute. That doesn't compute with my math because no one kept up with it but me. So I was keeping up on my own. (laughs) I was keeping up even my halfsies. I was keeping up on my halfsies. You know how many halfsies I had? (laughs) Is is it a lot? Yeah, about half. (laughs) I just wanted to bring that back in case people forgot that we used to compete for (laughs) halfsies like hardcore. I'd forgotten to be honest. (laughs) Oh yeah, that was awesome. We I was listening to an old. Chronicles episode from a couple of years ago, just for fun, the other day, and we were talking. We were competitive for those Hallies. I was like, I need to bring that back. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe somebody else can make that a part of their show. You know, that was all done from Hell Jordan, uh, a great listener of ours and friend. Uh, he would listen to every episode and give one of us an award uh, for me. that episode. Well, yep. uh, usually me. Sometimes you yeah. guys never Delvin. Yeah. No, Delvin. I don't think I ever got any for some reason i don't know why but anyway so you know now that it's 2023 maybe somebody can make an, another award out there and uh, you can you can help us out with that that'd be fun we truly enjoy it old bits pat old bits yep, old bits they keep coming up but the bits here just keep coming back and keep coming back it's uh, put the bits in the freezer you thaw them back out they're good yeah. you reheat them a second time it's a circle of bit life you know just think of how many bitcoin we'd have if we were actually doing the amount of bits that we do. Man, we'd be rich. 
Anyway, speaking about being rich, let's go ahead and talk to old Moneybags himself, Jason Albrick, a.k.a. the Weasel Skull. Well, Pat, thank you. It's good to be here. I have to admit, though, it's not really me. I sent the younger version of me into this body. So, like, I, I went the other way that Kitty Pride did in the in the story. I decided to bring young me into here. And uh, you really I don't know. I've just been listening to, like, Motley Crue all day. I went out <laughs> shot some hoops with the neighbor's kids. And uh, now I can't move because, unfortunately, my body. <laughs> so, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> We have a less mature version of Jason. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, no. Wow. no. I didn't think about it that way. It's going to be booby jokes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I don't know about that. And we're doing it live, too. So, boy. We yeah, less not mature, it, but. but still with the same broken down body, hips hurt. They got <laughs> twisted the knee. Your younger self probably didn't think about that. And then once he jumped into the body and saw it, it was like, oh. It's like... <laughs> this what i have to look forward to oh my goodness oh well also with us joining us in the chat we have taking the place of delvin we have a lot of people in the chat jared can you give off a few names that you see there sure can uh welcome auburn elvis courtney head speaks chola jim meal and kathy are all currently in the chat we have gotten some suggestions on the replacement of holly's uh, someone mm. suggested the Congeniality Award, which I probably will never win. I the Bad Joke Award, it. which is, um, I, I might be in contention for that. I think this is a four-way dead mm-hmm. um, on that one. <laughs> Kathy recommended the Biggest Boob Award, and I'm not sure how to respond to that. Uh, <laughs> so, uh, back to you, Pat. Oh, boy. There's a, a few good ones to choose from, so keep them coming. <laughs> keep those ideas coming. We definitely will, uh, you know, we'll bring them back to the headquarters and we'll brainstorm about them. All right. Well, we do appreciate everybody in the chat. You want to get in on the chat, make sure you come and join us every second Sunday of the month at 3.30 Central Time. We go live with shows. So come and join us and be a part of the chat. Where There's a chat within the chat that goes on that I can't even see right now. There's so much scrolling by me right now, and I really, we really do appreciate it. So thank you all for being here. And with that, you also want to be another part of the show is you can leave us a voicemail that we just might play on the show, you can leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Now, before we get started with this episode's issues, let's take a quick podcast promo break, and we will be right back. Spider-Man spoils a snatch. Stop, thief! Peter! Someone stole the Cope Emerald. Whoops. What's Peter Parker doing here at a time like this? <clears throat> Gee, Mary Jane, I just thought of something. Wow. Some smart aleck is projecting hundreds of images. My spider webs can't catch what's not real. But how to tell which is the real villain? Nothing human can resist Hostess Cupcakes. He can't help but show himself. Delicious. Absolutely delicious. My images can't enjoy this delicious devil's food cake. This fudgy, chocolatey icing. The fresh, wholesome taste. I can. Oh, fudge. I didn't get the Cope Emerald, but I did get the rich taste of Hostess Cupcakes. The day isn't a total loss. Peter Parker, you missed all the excitement. I just went out for some Hostess Cupcakes. That's enough excitement for me. 
you get a big delight in every bite of Hostess Cupcakes. Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the first featured comic for this episode. It is Amazing Spider-Man 212. The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. The publisher was Marvel. It's got a cover date of January 1981. Its on-sale date was October 14th of 1980. Cover price was 50 cents. Editor was Alan Milgram. Writer is Dennis J. O'Neill. Penciler goes to John Ramita Jr. Inker is Jim Mooney. And letterer is James R. Novak. Colorist is Bob Sharon. This is reprinted in Essential Spider-Man Volume 10 Trade Paperback. Also in Marvel Masterworks Volume 268 of Amazing Spider-Man Volume 20. Cover credits again go to penciler John Ramita Jr. and inker Alan Milgram. And speaking about the cover, Jared, why don't you give us a cover description? The Marvel Comics banner is Black Sea Black with White Cap Letters. Spider-Man swings in his pond green corner box. The Amazing Spider-Man logo is ocean blue with red tide highlights. With the webs, kind of, but we can talk about that later. The main action is a deluge of adventure showing Spider-Man on the streets of New York leaping to dodge a water blast by Hydro-Man. A cover blurb states, Spidey faces the wet threat of Hydro-Man. Back to you, Pat. All right. Thank you, Jert, for that wet and wild cover description. H2O, no! (laughs) All right, well, let's go ahead and get into some quick cover thoughts, and we will start with Jason. I like this cover. It's really busy, but it's laid out in such a way that they managed to get a lot on there. I like the way that Spider-Man is really seen leaping into action. The kind of Spider-Sense aura around his head really kind of gives that added layer of menace. What really stands out to me, though, too, is how they didn't really skimp on the background details. I've mentioned before, the thing I really admire about the Spider-Man comics and the covers themselves is how they really bring the city into it. So you've got the spectators in the background, even got the little fire hydrant there with the water that it looks like either Hydro-Man's coming out of it or it's powering him to uh, fight Spider-Man in there. Although a busy cover, well laid out. And lots of detail. And I like it, even though it's, you know, maybe a C-level villain on, on the cover. And you get his butt, mainly. But other than that, I like it. All right. Let's go ahead and go to Jarrett for some comments. This is a neat cover because it has a lot of energy. That's the biggest thing it has going for it. I mentioned in my description, though, that it had the web sort of. Has the webs, like, in its own yellow color box? Like, it doesn't lay over the image. It's like it's tacked on up there, which I thought was a little weird and a little disconcerting. But otherwise, thanks to the building underneath it being yellow, that's really hard to notice. (laughs) So they did a little clever conceal there. But yeah, there's a lot of energy going on. Flowing water is always kind of fun to look at on covers. And when you got a guy like Hydro Man, uh, spoiler alert, I didn't know this was his first appearance. Yeah, I didn't either. Yeah, I thought he was an older villain than this. This was a surprise to me. Um, sometimes my memory, not so good. But yeah, his flowing water looks really cool. I, I like the way there's an included um, fire hydrant that he's drawing from. They've included people in the background to add emotion. And of course, you know me as the comic book inker that I am. I look at those buildings and I go, oh, that's that's 
that's a lot of time and effort with some rulers and it pays off because the buildings look really nice. So it, it's not the greatest cover I've ever seen. I'm a little eh about the way they kind of pasted over those webs, but it also has a lot going for it as far as energy and adventure. What do you think, Pat? You know, I'm going to agree with Jason and you that the, the detailing on this, just a, a lot of work, uh, definitely on the line work that's being done here. Uh, they didn't really skip on the buildings at all, just to give you that that depth and that feeling here. And with the water coming out, uh, now understanding what Hydro-Man's kind of power is and how he comes about, I thought it was interesting to see. Because when I first looked at the cover, I didn't really notice that. I just noticed that he's shooting off water, but I didn't really notice that it was coming from the fire hydrant until you actually mentioned it now. And I'm like, Oh, okay. Kind of goes along with the story here that we'll find out in a little bit. So definitely like it. And you're right. The webs are kind of a little bit wonky, I guess. I guess I'm used to more of the webs just kind of coming out like that. So is this different too, with the web, you know, kind of having like the three center points? I think that's fairly typical. It's just, I don't know if it was just just, weird the way it's laid over. That's all. Yeah, could be. Well, let's see what some of the folks in the chat thought about this picture. Albert Elvis stated, uh, not the most interesting cover, but a good range of color. Spidey looks great. So that was his thought on that. I think, uh, aside from Jim Meal saying, Hydro Man looks like he's retaining water, which is jokes and jokes. We love the bits here. (laughs) That's about it as far as people weighing in on the cover. Last minute comment from Auburn Elvis. He he says he really likes the parking restrictions on the cover as well. That adds a that adds a whole new layer for him. That is interesting because when I was reading it and I have it because I have these in you know PDF format, I was able to kind of zoom in on that and I was like, <laughs> oh, trying to read what it said there. But it got close to reading what the parking restrictions were. So <laughs> That nice. caught my eye as well, too. It almost makes me wonder if they didn't actually go, you know, down to a street level somewhere and take a picture and use that as the reference for the buildings when they drew them. That's yeah. highly possible. Could be. All right. Well, with that cover description out of the way, why don't we go ahead and get into the rating of the cover? Here on Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles, we have a cover rating of one through five. Five as you loved it. It tickled your tummy feathers. Four, really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It ruffled your tummy feathers. Ooh, or it made your, I guess for this one, it soaked your feathers. Ooh. Yeah. Feathers are all wet. wet. Got to dry out my feathers now. Yeah. Not, I'm like trying to shake it off like a dog and I can't. <laughs> Let's go ahead and find out what your rating is for the cover. Jason. I'm going to give it a four. I suspect it might be the high watermark <laughs> here for this one <laughs> but you know i don't know what it is i i just think the the spidey pose looks great i think the details in the background look great i love the fire hydrant and the hydra man uh the crowd it just uh, for whatever reason it just works for me jared one through five i will give it a, a very easy three uh maybe even a strong three some might say Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. I missed a comment from Kathy earlier who said she was not a fan of the yellow building into the yellow sky, which is what I was basically talking about, about that yellow uh, overlay. Yeah, yeah. I think if if that wasn't a little off-putting as it is, I, I might have gone uh, to a four. And I also have to point out that they kind of did that thing where they don't show Hydro Man's face. Like, who is Hydro Man? And you read the book, it's like, he's a some guy. It doesn't matter. <laughs> <laughs> one bit. Um, so, yeah, I'm going to give it an, e- an easy three. It's a three with a smile on my face. What about you, Pat? 
I am with you on three. So it's two who guys that are on three island and Jason is all alone just being a four chump. Hey man, it's he's not alone. No, that's true. That's true. Okay. He's not alone. We got some people in the chat here. Yeah, you're right. You're right. So let's go ahead and roll into the chat and find out what they read. Uh, Head Speaks gives it a four. Courtney gives it a five. Auburn Nova says he's giving it a four, but he bumped it up for those parking sign details, and he's giving it the full five. I love that. Uh, Kathy gives it a three. Aaron, once again, says it's a four. He said something, but I'm rounding it up because, you know, we don't entertain those Mm -hmm. shenanigans on this channel. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Chola gives it a three, and Jim Meal gives it a three. three. So, I mean, we got ourselves a good cover here. It's it's, do. Anywhere from three to five, and I think that's fair. It really just kind of depends, probably on your love of Hydroman mm-hmm. and uh, and you know your love of the layout. Which it's a good layout, so certainly it is. Definitely, it's no rakish angle. I would if this had a rakish <laughs> angle, then definitely. But I think I like it because it's street level. Yeah, there's an appeal there it, that you can feel New York City in it. So mm-hmm. yeah, there's an appeal there. Okay, well, with the cover rating out of the way, it is now time to get to a quick story synopsis and that will be brought to you by the voice of delvin while attending a demonstration in radiology high school student peter parker was bitten by a spider which had accidentally been exposed to radioactive rays through a miracle of science peter soon found that he had gained the spider's powers and had in effect become a human spider a spider-man stanley presents the amazing spider-man title of this issue is The Coming of Hydro-Man. So Spidey is still aboard the SS Bulldog after beating the Submariner. They're still dropping the generator and when yet another accident happens, Spidey inadvertently turns Morris Bench into Hydro-Man. I can explain how, but eh, I think you get it. Enzymes be coagulating and whatnot. During a record heat wave, Jay Jonah hires Pete to take pictures of folks in said heat wave. Boring. But then news starts circulating about a dude popping up through drainage pipes holding grudges and whatnot. So Jay Jonah tells Pete to go do that. Find this guy, causing Pete to ditch Debbie Whitman again. Spidey has one run-in with Hydro Mariner and Stalemates, so Pete has Jay Jonah print an article challenging Sub Hydro to a fight atop a building. Guess how Spidey beats Nay Morris. Go on, guess. By dehydrating him. You never guessed it, did you, idiots? All I'm saying is, they probably should have based water-themed co-stars a little farther apart, right? Eh? Anyway, back to you, Pat. Well, Delvin, thank you for that synopsis. Made me kind of thirsty. All this talk about water. Gatorade Left me a little dry. <laughs> 
Well, with the synopsis out of the way, let's go ahead and get to the brick or brack for this issue. Is it a first read or a reread? Jared. I think it's first read for me. If I read it before, I don't remember it. So I'm going to call it a first read. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember that one. It's a first read for me as well. Jason, is it a first read or a reread? Rainbow up. First read for me as well. Awesome. Woo! That means it's a reedy rainbow. Wow, we did it. Oh, for first rainbow of the new year. Ah, oh, I love it. I love it. Let's go ahead and get into some high lows or what does. We'll go to Jason. You got a high low or what does to start us off for the first round? Well, I think I should state out of the gate that I did enjoy the, the book. I thought it was an entertaining read. I did understand Hydro Man's motivation as to why he wants some revenge against Spider-Man. <laughs> Spider-Man is not very good on boats. Uh, he's not a great shipmate. So I, I kind of there. But it gets me to my what the. Like, his plan. Like, <laughs> was he really like... Because he's just going, like, all go, around yeah. New York City, like, in the <laughs> water tube. He's, like, popping up on women taking showers and everything. <laughs> not Spider-Man. Not Spider-Man. <laughs> this could have gone on all freaking, you know, week, I would think. I don't... I haven't done the math, like, how many miles of pipes there are and how fast he can travel. But I got to think. This is going to take a minute, the way he's going about it. That is true. I think um, it was kind of an odd plan to go about. But I want to go back to your first what comment of, you know, Spider-Man not being a good shipmate. How many villains, you know, has Spider-Man actually caused for himself? For a minute there, I'm like, oh, the stuff got knocked over. But then when you read back again, it's like, oh, he is actually the cause for this guy going overboard. Yeah, he knocked him overboard. No, Spider-Man's heart was in the right place. And yeah, he didn't but, know those guys were over there, but you know, <laughs> that was a bit reckless. We'll just we'll leave it at that. And I don't know the answer to your question. Like how many how many, yeah, how many uh, villains or you know, like that were actually created from you know Spider-Man that does he did he know he created him? Or, you know, he knew it was on the ship, but he I don't think he still figured out that it was his fault for knocking him over. I think old Morris was, I think he had anger issues to begin yeah. with. You know, I think Morris mm -hmm. needs to work some things mm -hmm. out, but I'm just saying, I mean, I, I understand Morris's motivations. It's just his execution, a little more planning. That's all. Jerk. High, low, or what the? That was going to be my very first note was the tenacity. <laughs> so, um. I'll let that go since we've we've discussed it. But uh, okay, so you know we got a lot of you know it's Spider Man's faults. You know Spider Man unwittingly knocked this guy off and uh, he gave the guy superpowers, right? And yep. a pretty decent superpower set, yeah. kind of a cool, useful power. And what is this guy's first thought? I want to hurt people. So yeah, I'm not I'm not digging Spidey on this one. This guy's an a hole. Period. All right, <laughs> that's it. He got a cool superpower, and his first thought was I want to hurt somebody. So screw mm -hmm. this guy. I don't feel bad for him one bit yeah well i'm not saying i feel bad for him i just no me neither yeah. all yeah. right well with that aside then i will say uh i will give a high to the personality chameleon he's always welcome on the show to jay jonah jameson who's just a complete jerk to peter parker as soon as that pretty girl came in he was like enchanted my dear <laughs> 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 lord, lord byron all of a sudden <laughs> 
<laughs> Smooth operator. Oh, oh, definitely. Oh, I had to laugh. I don't know if that'll get my silly spidey moment, but I thought this Jameson man, he is he is whatever he needs to be at any moment, isn't he? Yeah, we've already we got one chameleon in the Spider-Man Rogues Gallery, but J. Jonah Jameson, <laughs> he is another chameleon unto himself. <laughs> Loved it, loved it. I love the banter between him and Peter, but uh, that's that'll just be my high because we've we've covered the pure tenacity that is Hydra. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, you know what? Once we're talking, let's talk about Jonah there and that area. I, I do love it seeing him. You know, finally getting a hold of Peter, getting him back on. Never skipped a beat on where the relationship was at, and I liked it when Robbie busts into the door and is, "Oh, hey, Pete." But, you know, and she's like, welcome back. Boom. And let's go ahead and do this. I'm like, oh, wow. You know, it's, it, I thought it was pretty fun. And, and, you know, Robbie didn't skip a beat either. It's just everybody is getting back to the, the way it worked and all that. I we might that. need to talk to Robbie about the yellow shirt with red tie combo. I mean, unless you're like the lead manager for the day shift at McDonald's. McDonald's yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know if that's working. But. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> it works for Ronald McDonald. But Anytime maybe Jonah Jameson is dressed better than Robbie Robertson, I don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I will say just to tack on to your point, Pat, I, I also thought it was funny when, when Jonah says, uh, and just to be clear, it's freelance. No, you, yeah. you know, you're not salaried here. And so to me, that was like typical, yep, just yeah. back to how things were. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't skip a beat there. That is kind of his way of saying, I missed you, Pete. <laughs> it's just, you know, being who he always is. Yeah. All right. Well, now that round one's gone. And over with, let's go ahead and get into round two. Jason, do you got another high-low or what the? Well, while the character of Hydra Man's about a mile wide and an inch deep, I, I'd say there's not, I mean, there's not a whole lot to him, to Jared's point. He's just an angry, angry guy that's angry at the world. And we kind of see that in his interaction with his on-again, off-again girlfriend at that bar. I will say that on the page, the action effects of his powers actually look pretty cool. I mm-hmm. dug the fight scenes and the mm-hmm. action between Spider-Man and Hydra-Man. So interesting character as far as the power set goes, maybe at least coming out of the gate. I don't know how much Hydra-Man we're going to see in the future, but not a lot of meat to the character there, but uh, visually pretty cool. So you're saying he's shallow? i gotta go one more (laughs) okay perhaps maybe there is someone in the comments or in our live chat that could maybe give us a little more information on hydroman does he show up later since delvin's not here and has that you know spider-man depth perhaps we have somebody else that can help us out jared sorry (laughs) hi low or what the I'm doing a great job repeating, Jason, because my next major note was how artistically engaging water fights are. You got a lot of places you can go with that. And they used a lot of it. You uh, left your notes out. I, I clearly <laughs> left my notes out. So let me skip to the end of the water fight. I think it was a really good Spider-Man, Peter Parker moment when he basically just destroys him. Like, like he's just gone. And even Spider-Man was like, man, I didn't mean for this to happen. Like, I didn't, like, I think he's really worried that he killed him. And yeah. cause, you know, he's like, man, if you can hear me, man, I wish you the best of luck. You know, it's very Peter Parker. It's very sure. He's still worried about the guy. So, yeah, I, I, I liked that. That'll be a high. From- Let off some steam, Morris. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think it's like it, 
he didn't really evaporate him too much. It's just that he powered him down to where he can't, you know, re pull himself together again. Yeah, I think we as the I readers think. understand that. But at this yeah. point, Peter's never fought uh-huh. this guy before. So Peter's <laughs> like, uh, what the heck did I just do? <laughs> Doing that Homer Simpson mean to back him back into the bushes. <laughs> I just murdered this guy. I don't know. What I liked too is that Peter was comparing him somewhat to the Sandman, you know? Yeah, they are very similar. Very similar in, in power sets, I guess, but you know, one sand, the other is the is the opposite. And I thought that was kind of interesting play on that and uh, how he figured out how to dehydrate him again. You know, yeah, he did it with the Submariner before. This guy's a little bit different though, because he, you know, he had some access to water. I think he just didn't understand his newly formed powers enough to yeah. understand. Yeah, I think you're right. Hey, I can't do anything here. My fear was, is when he got him on top of a building, you know, in, in the older days, they had those big water towers on the buildings. Mm-hmm. I'm like, what did Peter, what are you doing? Bringing him up to a, a place like that. And you you know, thought I was going to see like the big water tower go crashing down. Now he just made this guy super huge and all water powerful that he's, you know, like, and it comes out at him and splash. Beesh. Well, like you said, I think as he learns, as Hydro Man learns his power set, that would be a tactic for the future. Right now, he just kind of tried to go toe-to-toe and didn't Mm -hmm. realize that Spider-Man was using those hot roofs, you know, to his advantage. Yeah, definitely. Rookie mistake. Going to the chat. um, Yeah, let's go ahead and go into the chat and see what we got. We've got Auburn Ellis saying, as a kid, he was really worried when the guy went through the propeller as Hydro Man first got his powers. And that was an interesting moment because, you know, we're not quite sure you know, what happened to him? How did he make it through that propeller? How was he not hurt? Well, now we know, yeah. right? He also agreed with us that he liked the J. Jonah Jameson moment. Uh, Auburn also chips in with a what the? Did you pick up on how many relatives of Deb called her about her uncle hanging out with Spider-Man? It's like old school social media going on there. <laughs> I, I did not. I will have to go back and look at that. Interesting. And Auburn Elvis does say that Hydra-Man will team up with Sandman in the future. And it goes interestingly oh okay hmm. so uh, a little bit of that and he also teases that a, a water tower may come into the play next time we see him oh okay so okay. a lot of yep, a lot yep. of teases going on we all mentioned we like the water action and kathy asked a very poignant question what about if it's underwater action in a james bond movie love it <laughs> Wait, oh, what what hey, oh, be a bat uh, start to I just woke off. up <laughs> oh, yeah. It's underwater action license kill, Jared. You say you don't like license to kill. That's it, what I'm hearing. I mean, that's the, it's really well shot and it's brief and it doesn't overstay its well. It, you know what? This is not under my secret podcast. <laughs> <laughs> We're crossing the pods, crossing, crossing the pods. pods. Right. We're crossing streams. Oh, <laughs> Ooh, good one. <laughs> well, hopefully, we will get a steady stream of Hydro Man in the future or they'll <laughs> sprinkle some. <laughs> I got a lot of these. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, speaking about streams, we are live streaming. So make sure you're joining us in the chats on these live streams when we do it to get yourself into the comments. We definitely appreciate and seeing them. As a reminder, being in the comments gets you in for the raffle at the end of the show. You might win some free stuff. Back to you. All right. Well, this one feels kind of like, I don't want to say too much filler because he did introduce somebody new and we got some more of the characterization and story going on. Uh, more of the background, you know, now we know that he possibly is back working, you know, on the bugle somewhat, you know, I'm not going to say he's working there because Jonah says no, he's back. There, but, he's yeah. back. We know he's back. 
But also, man, his relationship with Debbie, that girl, she is just like not getting the attention I think she needs or deserves, you know? I'm about to give it to her. Don't the attention right? that is. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, there's that Jason mentality there. Yep, yep. <laughs> Immature Jason. The, the, the attention, that's what I meant, is you already <laughs> wrong. Um, but anyway, what do you guys think about those two situations? What happened to Marla? That was my question. Like, uh, yeah, I was seemed, thinking that too. He, he seemed really interested in Debbie, and it's like, wait a minute, I thought he and Marla had a little little thing going on. I thought so too. I was wondering where Marla was as well. Because I went back and read the previous one because I missed that that episode just to see like was there something up with Marla in this one? And I don't know. It seems like maybe she's just been kind of I don't know. That plot point's been put down or something. Yeah, we may. I would assume we would may see her again um, once they build another yeah. Spidey Slayer or something. Or you know, I think she'll, she's she'll still be back around. around. I think she's still around. I think. I mean, I don't think he was making any serious plays for Debbie. I think he was just being charming. Yeah, just <laughs> being all. a nice guy, you know. But I've never seen him be charming with any uh, any well, other. The it's I nice juxtaposition though to see it, you know, with Peter in the room. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, Peter's probably like, what? <laughs> what's happening? <you?" laughs> Well, does anybody have anything else on this issue? Like I said, it was kind of, you know, filler. It's it's like it was kind of like a good glass. Was it like a good glass of water that would drink it and kind of fill you up? Or did it not? I guess we can soon find out when we get to the ratings on this issue. So I think with that, let's go ahead and jump into the ratings. As a reminder, it is a one through five rating. Five as you loved it. It (laughs) tickled your unwetting feathers. It really made you feel good. Powder dry feathers. Ooh, I love it. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. You made your tummy feathers soggy. Somebody turn off that faucet. Let's go ahead and find out. Jared, one through five, how would you rate this? You know, at the end of it, I was like feeling it at another three with a smile on my face. But then I was like, you know what? First appearance of Hydro Man. Bump up. I'm giving it a four. Ooh. Not a strong three, but a going right to the four. All right. I'd also like to recommend we add Jim Meal as a regular host of the show, because in the chat, he just said, I didn't read it. <laughs> and I don't know if Great. he knows that that's our ongoing joke, but uh, welcome to LBC family. Yes. <laughs> well, great. He took my bit now. No, <laughs> Good one, Jim. Auburn Elvis is also having a big discussion in the chat about Debbie Whitman and her wardrobe, but he's only discussing it with himself. <laughs> Hmm. (laughs) it's entertaining i'll give it back maybe albert alvers jason's little jason will join you in that chat later (laughs) jason one through five i'm at a three with this one it's a solid three uh at the end of the day it is a filler it's first appearance at hydra man even though you know that appearance was somewhat so so i will say that i am interested in deb because in all my Spider-Man knowledge, I've, this is the first time I've really encountered or been aware of this character. She's actually kind of interesting. It's kind of it's kind of sad how she and Peter seem to be almost like star-crossed lovers. Every time they try to go out on a date or something, something pops up. But she seems mm-hmm. like a very nice person and a very caring person, and I like her. Yeah, no, I. you know what? I do agree with you, and I'm interested in that storyline with her because, you know, when you think of top name Peter Parker girls, right? 
does her name come up in a conversation a lot? I mean, she does here because oh. we're in that, that era of it, right? But, you know, you always have Gwen Stacy, Mary Jane. Those are the two that people talk about. What? A, well, besides Aunt May, but what about the rest of Peter's, you know, friends that are lady friends, you know? So I, it makes me wonder, is she, you know, how long does she stick around? What happens? And will she ever find the right person? It's like I'm watching The Bachelor, right? And she's like, Peter's not the right one for her. Yeah, he's not getting that rose, I don't think. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, I am going to rate this one. I'm at a three. You know, I'm at a strong three. So I will join you at three. I see why Jared definitely gave it a four uh, for the first appearance of Hydro Man. I thought that was cool that we got to see a first appearance again happening here in, in the comics. I really enjoy that. But it just wasn't enough to get me motivated or to bring me up to that. I was more interested in the littler side stories that were going on in this one to help move that kind of bigger and broader story going on. With that, let's go ahead and check in to the chat to see what their ratings were. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. We've got a, some ratings here in the chat. All Renova scores is a five. Any of the deductions are offset by Jameson's smoothness. Hot Deb, he, he likes that Deb. <laughs> using smarts along with his powers to beat a potentially formidable opponent. Courtney also gave it a five that she bumped up from a four. Jim Meal didn't read it, but I love it. <laughs> and I think that's it for people tossing it. Oh, um, Head Speaks throws in with another what I'm going to round up to a four. So it looks sure. like we're, we're rating it low. We're the boat anchors, Pat. <laughs> <laughs> that is true. You know what? I, I'm happy with the decision I made on this one. It's not bad. It was, wasn't was a bad filler, so to say. So I'm yeah, My tummy it. feathers are dry. Yeah. I, I think I, you know, dried them out good enough for this one. All right. Well, we have our newer segment going on here right now. It's called Karma Count with Alburn Elvis, who's in the chat. Thank you, Alburn Elvis. So let's go ahead and give his karma count a listen for this issue. I guess I'm your karma. And I love it. I can't get enough of it. There's nothing above it. Hi, Crusaders. This is fan of the show, Auburn Elvis. And from time to time on the Longbox shows, the question of can these superheroes improve their strength by working out comes up. Well, according to the 1984 Marvel superhero role-playing game, they can. But it ain't easy. In the game, heroes gain and lose karma points for how heroic their actions are in the game. Karma can be saved up over time and spent to improve a hero's ability score. Improving the ability costs 10 times its current score. So, if Spider-Man wanted to improve his strength of 40 to a 41, it would cost him 400 karma points. And to give you an idea of how long it would take Spider-Man to earn that much karma, here's how much karma his actions in this issue would be worth. Amazing Spider-Man 212 starts off with a huge 40-point karma deduction as Spider-Man almost commits manslaughter. He then gains 5 karma for ending the live power cable danger and another 20 karma for rescuing Maury Bench from the ocean. Later on, Peter loses 5 karma for dumping Deb once again, but he gains 5 karma for getting pictures of Hydra-Man for the bugle. In the battle with Hydra-Man, Spidey gains 5 karma for making some decent jokes and a whopping 75 points of karma when he finally defeats Hydra-Man. 
So counting everything up, Spider-Man earns a total of 65 karma in this issue, which is not bad considering it began with him almost killing someone. And if Spidey were to not kill someone like this five more times, he'd have enough karma to improve his strength from a 40 to a 41. I'm Auburn Elvis. I thank you very much for listening to this karma count. Now back to the crusade. I guess I'm your karma. And I love it. I can't get enough of it. There's nothing above it. I love I love that. Huh? That was that was something. It was. I, I loved it. You know, I couldn't get enough of it. That's a sweet beat. Good job, Auburn Elvis. Yeah. Definitely. Do you get karma for saving somebody from the water if you put them in the water in the first place? He also said he saved Bench from the ocean, but after getting that power set, I feel like he saved the ocean from Bench. True. So Jared's deep thoughts. Mm. <laughs> That's another deep, one. Deep. <laughs> if you guys can fathom that. <laughs> I don't if think we're that, on the same wavelength. I don't oh. think they're in the same league. <laughs> oh. <laughs> they just they just keep coming. Nice. It's flowing. Nice it's flowing. It's like a whole cycle of it. It's like a whole. <laughs> there. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Alburn Elvis, for your segment Karma Count. It's a welcome addition to the show. If you want to be and, like Auburn Elvis and do an addition to the show, all you have to do is become a Patreon member at seventy five dollars a month. <laughs> <laughs> I tried. I I try, you try, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, you know like, what? what? <laughs> <laughs> we still need us another segment for the other for the next part of the show as well, too. So, and don't forget, we are looking for the new trophy to replace the Halley. Not that we could replace it, but no, I, I, I won, man. I won. <laughs> Contested. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, that's going to bring us to the end of this part of the show. You got a comment or a question? Send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also leave us a voicemail that we just might play on the show. Leave us a message at 707-532-5269. That's 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone. Race to the mute button. We will be right back. Batman Nightcast, a thrilling new podcast from the Fire and Water Podcast Network, hosted by Ryan Daly and Chris Franklin. Nightcast chronicles the Cape Crusaders' adventures in Batman and Detective Comics after Crisis on Infinite Earths. Highlights from this legendary era include Batman number 400, Legends, Mike Barr and Alan Davis, Batman Year One, Batman Year Two, Max Allen Collins, Ugh. Um, the new Jason Todd, Ugh. Millennium? You're not doing this right. Let me take over. Alan Grant and Norm Brayfogle. Alan Grant from Jurassic Park? Did you hear me say Norm freaking Brayfogle? Oh, yeah. Son of the Demon. The Killing Joke. A Death in the Family. Batman Year Three. A Lonely Place of Dying. Alan Grant, Alan Davis, Max Allen Counts. Why are there so many people named Alan from this era of Batman? The Rise of Tim Drake. Legends of the Dark Knight. And that's just up until 1989. Did anything exciting happen with Batman after that? You'll have to tune in to find out. Batman Nightcast, part of the Fire and Water Podcast Network. Find it on iTunes and at fireandwaterpodcast.com. Oh, we forgot to mention your favorite issue, when Batman fires Dick Grayson. You want to find another co-host? Welcome back from the break. Now let's get to the second featured comic for this episode. 
which is determined by our Crusader Club members. Club members get to vote on this segment using the online poll only available on the Longbox Crusade page at patreon.com. As always, we want to thank our Crusader Club members for voting to help determine the programming for this show. If you want to get in on the voting and all of the other amazing benefits of being a Crusader Club member, just head on over to patreon.com and search for Longbox Crusade. There you can join us for as little as $1 a month to help determine which each episode's second feature will be. For this episode, the Crusader Club members selected Uncanny X-Men number 141. Woo! The credits for this issue are provided by Mike's Amazing World of Comics website. Publisher was Marvel. It got a cover date of January 1981. Its on-sale date was October 21st, 1980. Cover price was in the club with 50 cents. Editor is Louise Simonson. Writer is Chris S. Claremont. Plotter and pencils go to John L. Byrne. Anchor is Terry Austin. Letter is Tom Orzakowski. And <laughs> we have the culinary bad colorist. We love Glennis. I love it. Yeah, I, I love Glennis. Man, just the colors are awesome. Anyway, we'll get to that. This is reprinted. And hold on, folks. This is a hefty list of reprints. And everybody probably knows why. You can find this reprinted in Uncanny X-Men in Days of Future Past, number one, from 1989. In Greatest Battles of the X-Men, trade paperback. Essential X-Men, volume two, trade paperback. Marvel Collectible Classics, X-Men, number two. 100 Greatest Marvels of All Time, number one. X-Men Days of Future Past, trade paperback, from 2004. Marvel Masters, volume 90, of the Uncanny X-Men Volume 6 hardcover from 2008, Uncanny X-Men Omnibus Volume 2 hardcover from 2014, and X-Men Epic Collection, The Fate of the Phoenix trade paperback from 2021. So a lot of reprints of this one and where you can find it. So you can also find it on Marvel Unlimited. And we hope you read along with us as we go through reading these ourselves. Cover credits go to penciler John L. Byrne and inker Terry Austin. And speaking about the cover, let's go ahead and get a quick cover thoughts from Jared. The Marvel Comics banner is red with black letters. The orange corner box contains the heads of Wolverine, Colossus, Storm, Kitty Pride, because I don't like to say Sprite, Nightcrawler, and Angel. The uncanny X-Men logo is distressed, possibly aged, and it's white with black highlights. The main action is a classic, easily recognizable cover. It shows an aged Wolverine in Kitty Pride, caught in spotlight, looking very fearful but aggressive. They're cornered. What makes the cover truly intriguing, aside from asking why are they older, is what else is in the spotlight. Huge posters showing the demise of the other X-Men. And I'm going to go through them all for fun on this one. Pat, your assignment is you're going to read all the ones that say slain. And every time you read a slain, I want you to go up an octave in your voice. Jason, you get to read the ones uh, that say apprehended. And uh, I want you to get more British with each time you say apprehended. So I'll say the name of the character. All right, Pat, you got slain. Jason, you're on apprehended. Pat, your voice gets higher as we go. Jason, yours gets more British. Oh, okay. 
Okay. okay. So I thought you... I had to say the name of the character. So no, no hold on. That's all right. That's all right. I'm going to say, I'll kick it off. I'm going to say Cyclops. On. You probably want to start at your regular voice because it's going to get pretty high. <laughs> right, that's what I'm thinking. Yeah. All right. Cyclops. Slain. Colossus. Apprehended. Storm. Apprehended. <laughs> Nightcrawler. Slain. Angel. Slain. Iceman. Expired. This guy's slain. I gotta say it higher. Slain. Beast. Slain. Hi, I need it higher. Oh. Slain. Sprite. There you go. Sprite. <laughs> Apprehended. Magneto. Apprehended, oi. <laughs> I think that's Scarlet Witch for you, Pat. Slain. I think that's Havoc for you, Jason. Shoot, I used my best one. I thought I was done. <laughs> Come on. Baby. Apprehended, oi, oi. <laughs> and Banshee. Slain. There we go. You brought it home. <coughs> oh. Man. Good job, team. I like doing the expired. Expired. Just like that commercial. <laughs> expired. Like I'm going through. No one out here says expired. <laughs> Too bad. That would do his own fun. rules. Yeah. <laughs> he doesn't <Yeah>. read good. <laughs> All right. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into some quick cover thoughts. And we'll go to Jason. What's your thoughts on this cover? This cover really strikes a chord with me. I mean, this I was about 10 years old when this was on the newsstands, and this is one that just grabbed my attention right away talking about seeing the distressed and cracked uncanny x-men the old wolverine and the mature kate pride in the foreground the caught in the spotlight look the iconic wolverine protecting kitty pride that whole pose and then just what the heck is going on here with the wanted posters behind them it all comes together makes you want to pick up and read the book look for a high score from me Jared, what's your thoughts? This might surprise you, mm. but much like Jason, this is an intriguing cover. It tells a tale in of itself. You see it on a spinner rack and it says, pick me up and read me because there's just so many questions. Why are they older? Okay. So I guess this is the future. Okay. If it's the future, what happened to all these, all my favorite characters are, are slain or apprehended governor, you know, <laughs> so <laughs> what is going on? You know, it, it's just an absolute curveball from what we saw last issue. It's a whole new a whole new story arc and um the cover just really sells that so yeah what about you pat yeah i am definitely feeling what you're saying here when you saw this cover and i was surprised after we got done reading the one before i thought oh maybe there'd be a few more issues before we get into it but no it's just like bam we're into this cover and you're right away you know it just because of how iconic this cover is and and what it does but it really pinpoints it all you know and i think that spotlight just centering it on what's happening and you see older wolverine and just there's a lot going on on this cover pencil wise and inking wise and and color wise i think it all just gels right together for me what do we have in the chat all right in the chat we have auburn Noble says it's a good cover but are we really supposed to believe the sentinels take the time to print up giant wanted posters like that (laughs) maybe (laughs) They're not really wanted, too. They're slain. <laughs> slain. Sorry, I couldn't get high enough. Apprehended. <laughs> uh, Jim Beal says it's a great cover. It has been homaged many times, and that is correct. Uh, Auburn Elvis says he will give it up for the coloring and inking tricks used here to show where the spotlight ends, and he hopes I mentioned that. I didn't, but uh, he is correct. They are using some thin and thick inking techniques for to show brighter light features. So that's a good catch by Albert Novus. And I think that we just have, you know, general good thoughts about okay. it. Uh, we had a deep thought in there about 
who is to the left of Havoc on the bottom row? And all you can see is R-I-S in their name. And uh, my best guess was Christopher Robin from the Hundred Acre Wood has been slain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to guess Polaris. That's a good guess. She's next to Havoc and ends in R-I-S. I like that, Jason. Good. Good guess. Good guess. It's and as funny as Christopher Robin, but it's it, it works. Christopher Robin doesn't even work. Come on. He's <laughs> got R-I-S in his name. I guess. All right. <laughs> you know what I like, too, is right by Magneto, you have like another poster or something that's there, and it has, you know, Byrne and Austin's name, kind of like. Yeah, poking out. Yeah, I thought really that was cool. It, where they definitely made it part of the of the image. So yeah, it seems like everybody in the chat's big on this cover. I think everybody here's big on this cover. I think we're gonna get some good scores. Yeah, definitely. Well, with that, let's go ahead and get into the cover rating for this issue. Again, it's a one through five rating on the LBC. Five as you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it it turned you into a baby (laughs) people in the chat go ahead and get us your numbers as we go through the team here and we will start with jason one through five well gentlemen i think this is going to be my first five of 2023 our criteria is would you hang it on your wall absolutely this is iconic this is well drawn and just um yeah enough said five from me jert i'm gonna join them i'm giving it a five yeah it's the pantheon of x-men covers it's awesome uh delvin's not here i'm quite certain he would have gone with five because he does literally have this framed and hanging on his wall Mm -hmm. i can't remember if i bought it for him or not but i gotta say i've seen it in that frame hanging on his wall before and it looks really good so yeah i've seen it framed and hanging on a wall and it's a great look so i can't do anything lower than a five it's, does he have the issue or is it the like it's like, it like a, a poster, it's like a blown like up a, redone poster like cool. a nice i'm starting to think i might remember where i got it <laughs> i think i remember <laughs> but anyways it looks good and, and it's an absolute five so pat bring it home and i'll let you know what people in the chat have got when you're done all right well for us here at the lbc i'm gonna say everybody get up now because one, two, three, four, five. five I'm make to get, get down now. You know, gotta get down. Gotta get down. <laughs> yeah, this is definitely a five. If I could hang it on a poster like Delwin, I would. So maybe next time I know Delwin's, I might grab that and bring it back for mine. Yeah, good thinking. What did the folks in the chat have to? All right, we got Head Speaks giving it a six. I don't, I don't know that that's new, but I'll give it to him. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, you know. Uh, Jim Meal's got it at a five. Says so it's iconic. Kathy's got it at a four. Chola's got it as a five. Albernell says I give it a four. Bumped up to a five for the color and the inking. Mm. Of course, I mentioned Delvin gives this one a five, and uh, Auburn Elvis declares it a five party. Oh, okay. And he did. Uh, Delvin did clarify. I, it was not from me. It was from our mutual friend and uh, Crusaders Club member Ezra Gallo. Okay, uh, gave this as a wedding gift. I remember now because he got that, and I got the marriage of the Fantastic Four, Reed and Sue. Both very nice prints. That's where I've okay. seen it before. That's why I know what it looks like unframed. So yeah, got to give props to Ezra on that one. And and Delvin's got it in this bronze colored frame. It, this cover looks amazing on Delvin as well. Oh, very. So anyway, he gives it a five. Very cool. All right, well, with the cover description and rating out of the way, let's head on over to Jason to give us 
a story synopsis. Cyclops, Storm, Banshee, Nightcrawler, Wolverine, Colossus, Children of the Atom, Students of Charles Xavier, Mutants, Feared and hated by the world they have sworn to protect, these are the strangest heroes of all. These are the X-Men. Stanley presents the Uncanny X-Men. The title is Days of Future Past. Our story opens in a dystopic future where a middle-aged Kate Pride is a member of an underground resistance movement comprised of Wolverine, Storm, her husband Colossus, and an all-grown-up Franklin Richards, along with a new telepath named Rachel. It seems that in the future, the Sentinels have taken over and are systematically killing all mutants. In a desperate attempt to stop the carnage, Rachel manages to send the mind and memories of Kate back to the past where her younger self is undergoing her first training session in the danger room. Now in her younger form, Kate manages to convince the team that the zero point for this deranged future revolves around the murder of Senator Kelly, a leader in mutant opposition. In order to prevent this fate from coming to pass, the team must prevent his assassination. Meanwhile, in the future, Wolverine leads his resistance fighters in a last-ditch attempt to destroy the main Sentinel facility. The group is discovered by a patrolling group of automatons, and after a fierce battle, the mutants are victorious, but at the cost of the life of Franklin. In the issue's cliffhanger conclusion, our current-day heroes and Kate travel to Washington, D.C. to square off against the would-be assassins, Mystique and her new brotherhood of evil mutants. Will our heroes be able to save Senator Kelly? Will Senator Kelly see the error of his ways? And how does Future Storm manage to keep them thighs in such great shape? That one's for you, Delvin. <laughs> we will find out next issue. Thank you, Jason, for that brief but yet thorough synopsis. I think you covered it very well. With that, let's go ahead and find out. Was it a first read or a reread as we get into the bric-a-brac? Jared, first read or a reread? Hmm. I'm going to need uh, Jason to weigh in and let me know. I feel like this was laying around when we were kids and I read it. If we owned it when we were kids, then it's a reread. If Jason didn't get it until later in life, then it's a first read. So this is all hinging on Jason. I feel like I've read it. But am I just conflating memories with the movie? Because there's similarities here with, with the movie. Oh, yeah, well. yeah. So, Jason, did we own it as kids? I don't think we owned it as kids. I can kind of remember when I started buying X-Men, and it, it started a little bit later after this one, like in the maybe even like in the 180s when I really started purchasing X-Men. Okay. Okay. So, so I don't think we did. I think at this point I was still pretty much buying Star Wars and Indiana Jones. Okay, so probably a first read then for me, Pat. I don't think it's going to matter. I really don't, but it doesn't. No, no. no. <laughs> First read for me, Ben. 
believe it or not, it's a first read for me as well, too. You know, you hear the stories, you kind of know the stories now that you've, you've seen the movie. But it was a really a first read for me, actually reading it from cover to the end of it. So with that, Jason, first read or a reread? Sorry, fellas, this is a mm. reread for me. I've read this one several times. It's one of my favorites. All right. Well, I'd be interested. Delvin, was this a first read or a reread? Let us know in the chat. With that, let's go ahead and get into some rounds of high lows or what does. And we'll go to Jarrett for your first high low or what the. Interesting to hear what you think on this one, Jarrett, because, you know, knowing that you're not the most not- uh, avid. <laughs> not the most avid X-Men fan. Yeah. But, you know, this where, where you ran on this story. Just interested. Well, Pat, let's start with some basics here. All right. First of all, I finished it. So it was minimum of a two, right? And you know that going it before we even get to the scoring. Uh, but two, no, yay! <laughs> minimum. We'll see where I end up scoring it. No, um, geez, I can easily do highs. It's a compelling story. It's something different we haven't seen before, yet it brings it back to the to the team we are familiar with by the end. It starts with that cover of making us ask questions and then it launches us right into this dystopic future. And we have a bazillion other questions that are kind of slowly getting answered. We're filling in the blanks. So it's a really good read. I didn't think it was too, is still a little overly wordy, but not to the level that I would complain about in the past. So I think he told it a little more briskly and, and that's a broad brush high. I know for the first one, I'll be more specific around two, but just to give you a feeling of where I'm at, Pat, I'm feeling good on this one. All right. I, I see the, your gauge slowly moving up mm-hmm. here. It's moving uh, up on this issue. Moving on up. Yep, definitely. Moving on up to the future side. I, I want to address something in the chat. Kathy says, I need someone to send it to me first so I can read it. Um, <laughs> this comic is fairly valuable. Not like, you know, bazillions of dollars, but it's. Yeah, I don't think you'd be sending this thing around. This, yeah. 141 is is kind of a key that people like to have. And it's a pretty valuable comic. Definitely. But like. Pat was saying you can get it in many trades, and it's also on if you have the Marvel Unlimited subscription, you can read yeah, it there. That's well. how I read it. I read it on yep. Marvel Unlimited. Jason, high, low, or what the? I'm going to start with the high, and I'm going to talk a little bit about the plot. As I mentioned, I've read this several times. This is the first time I've really read it and compared it to, couldn't help but compare it to Terminator, the original movie. And hmm. bearing in okay. mind that yeah, this yeah. one, this came out like three years before the Terminator movie came mm-hmm. out. I was like, there's a lot of plot similarities here. And I just really have to give a tip of the cap to Chris Claremont for thinking through this pretty elaborate storyline and telling it in a way that's compelling and it makes sense. And if you told me that James Cameron got some influence from, from this comic book, I would not be totally surprised. So just the plot was very well thought out and very interesting. And those time traveling uh, story arcs can be a bit of a headache and a mess sometimes, but this wasn't that I was able to track it really well. So just really well done with the plot. Yeah, I will agree with you on the time tracking on this one. I had no problems understanding how it went. You know, right away in the beginning, they kind of tell you what's going on and looking at it like, oh, okay, so that is an older looking kitty. And hats off to Burn for taking these younger looking characters or, or, you know, 
and aging them well enough to really know who each one is. And seeing that, I was like, oh, wow, that's really cool. Because there's some good close-ups of them. And, you know, Kitty does look old. You can see some, you know, aging, some going on and all that. And, you know, Wolverine, seeing him with the gray hair, I was like, oh, man, that's, that guy looks tough. Yeah, that leather jacket. Yeah, jacket out. yeah it's like, oh. There's so much going on in this one, I think, um, artwork-wise as well, too. So, uh, you know what? I got so much to say, but I want to just, I've been doing a lot here that I want to continue on with the art real quick. Just get that out of the way. Super, very good. Again, Burns storytelling that he's doing with here, you know, yeah, Chris is probably telling him what he'd like to see and all that, but Burns, you can just read some of this too without seeing the words, kind of understand what's happening and just the detail in some of it. Like that first splash page, man, the detail of all the rubble and all that going on there is just unbelievable the coloring helps play with the story you know the mood and all that so hats off to to burn on this one and yeah it's awesome. funny like in over the years and well decades of reading comics sometimes you don't appreciate just how good the marriage between the art team and the writer uh is yeah. on a book until you know you go back and look at it like wow they really had lightning in a bottle here yeah, and, and I would say this is definitely an issue that definitely shows that lightning that they have. And being the first-time reader of this actual issue, you know, you hear about it, you know the story and all that, but actually reading it and seeing it through all laid out in the page like that, man, there is definitely no doubt of why people have this one in such high regards on that part. All right, well, let's go get into another round two with Jason. Hi, lower with the I'm going to go with another high surprise, surprise. I hadn't picked up on it before uh, this read. The relationship between young Kitty Pride yeah. as she's joining the X-Men and her reaction to Nightcrawler and his reaction to her reaction, which is probably pretty understandable. But you really get the sense that Kitty is just starting with this team and there's kind of unease and maybe a little distrust between she and her fellow X-Men. Mm -hmm. And then the moment Kate comes into that body and the first thing she does is just grab Nightcrawler and that bear hug and just yeah. the joy in seeing him alive again. That tells you so much about what is going to happen through the arc of this book. And it lets you know that like everything's going to be okay. Here. This team is going to become uh, a family, and Kitty is going to be a big part of that that family. And just seeing that in this book just really brought a smile to my face. I agree with you on that. I think Claremont, over the last few issues we were reading with Kitty, she has had that that standoffish with Kirk, and you know it's, and then they you know they mentioned it in the beginning of this one again too just so it's there again but it, it did call back to those other issues for me and then when Kate came in I was like oh oh things have really changed you know and made it feel feel made it feel good you know i like that a lot Jared, high lower what the i promised you a more specific high and it's not too far off with what jason was saying it was the character of its development uh but I'm going to specifically talk about Colossus, who's always been one of my favorites. Colossus, yep. Colossus, oh, my bad. Uh, he's always been one of my favorites. 
it was really interesting to see how the dark times and apparently the death of him and Kitty's yeah. children yeah. affected him. I mean, he straight up said, I've learned how to hate. Yeah. And he took down like an entire city block because he was so filled with hate. And um, I thought that was really powerful because he's one of the reasons I've always liked Colossus is he tends to be more of the optimistic X-Men. Like, and mm-hmm. it, the world has changed him and it made me sad to see him like that, but it was powerful storytelling. Cause you mentioned how burn aged them in the way they look. This is Claremont aging them in the way they feel mm-hmm. and how the characters feel in this dark future. And it was just very striking. I'm not going to say I want to see more of a hate filled Colossus, but it was striking to see a hate filled Colossus. And just to un- un- understand probably how powerful he can be that he's not letting that in, in the other fight studies, he's not letting that anger just totally out, you know, cause that, you know, whatever he's doing to beat somebody up, that ain't all his full level of power. No, you, know? I, you know, I've always thought, and that maybe that's why I uh, always liked him too, is like, he's never, I haven't seen, I've read, haven't read enough X-Men to ever see him truly unleashed. And I feel like if he does, he can get to like Hulk levels of destruction. Yeah. But it was, it was, I mean, we saw that here. He, he went, he, he went, uh, he cranked it up a notch. So anyway, I thought that was neat. And that's just kind of one example, but I wanted to focus on that one example and be more specific in round two. I, I do have a question though, but I can save it till we're done with our rounds. So uh, I think you still okay. have to go, Pat. I'm sure we have a few more, more things to kind of talk here and we'll see what some of the folks in the chat have to say as well, too. I want to continue off of what you were saying with Peter. And Kate's, it's just weird. You know, the color Sprite and the, I couldn't, I can't do that either. To yeah, me, nobody it's Kitty or, you know, Never Kitty. Took. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a, that was one, a, a hard stumbling point for me as it was going through, but just that knowing that, oh, wow, they already tease that relationship a little bit more. And w- w- the outcome, you already kind of know a little bit that I guess what it could be. Right. And I thought that was really interesting. Like, this whole story is like Claremont just taking things and just let me fast forward this and show you a glimpse of what possibly could be. And I found that really fascinating. And not, not only with those two and their relationship, but some of the other relationships that you see with the other characters and that, and then, you know, Magneto shows up at first, you know, they make it seem like it was going to be Charles and then Kitty calls him Magneto, but yet they're all, you know, they're all friends and it seemed like there was even Peter was being that nice guy to Magneto, you know, I'm like, Oh, you know, there must've been some really hard times that they had to go through once the Sentinels came in and took all this over on with that. So, you know, hats off to the, to the writing on this one. And just the, it just blows my mind that you could conceptually come up with something like this from all that you've been doing and have me just understand it. And want I want you know I want more. I want to read the next issue. I want to know what know what's what's going to happen and all. Yeah, I, I know from you know the movie taken in in that and just from hearsay and all that recaps and timelines and all that. But I really want to dig in and find all these little different things that you normally you know these little things you can pick out from later on. All right. Well, with that, Jared, did you have a question? I did. I want to go to the chat real quick and uh, mention that. Albert Neville says that he feels like the rogue street gang at the beginning was an homage to the Warriors movie that Jason and I have discussed on Action Film Face Off. And I think he's probably right. Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. Uh, at first, at first, I'll tell you, when they came in, 
I thought they might have been part of like um like a gang that run by Rainhead. Well, yeah, yeah, that's true. I was thinking rogue. I'm like, yeah, I'm like, oh, rogue. (laughs) Or I thought maybe, uh, you know, it was run by Wolverine, and then Wolverine steps in and says, "Hey, you can't mess with her." That's you know. Oh, okay. I I thought like they were like all maybe working for Rogue, the character. uh, Yeah, that too. That thought entered my mind briefly too. Yeah, especially because one had like a mohawk. Yeah, yeah. Like I don't know. I'm just kind of yeah. But I I think Armor Elves is probably onto something. He also says the happiest thing about this alternative future. Is Kitty and Pete having a stable relationship, which uh, yeah is always nice. Never been a big fan of the way the relationship started, but I do like <laughs> like them at a, when they're older, <laughs> having a good uh, relationship. Head Speak says this is a great story. It's classic X Men, and Jim Meal says this was a story that set off many timeline related stories that became an important part of X Men. And I agree. Uh, with that, I did have a question, probably for Jason. I do remember as a kid reading these X universe titles in the eighties, uh, Rachel being a character in the X-Men, maybe new mutants. I get them mixed up, but I was like, huh, I wonder how they brought her back from, <laughs> from the future. You have any insight on how she became a, a current day character? I'm not exactly sure how, how she got back. I'd have to, I, I'm sure I read it, but I, I don't remember off the top of my head. I mean, Albert Elvis in the chat says that she comes through the time stream. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, she her coming through the time stream. I remember there was because she was at one point in time like like she was referred to as like a, a hound or a hunter, and her job because she was telepathic was to hunt mutants, and so she carried a lot of guilt with her about that, and so there were a lot of story elements that that were tied to that, but I don't remember specifically how she got back. It may, I mean, maybe it'll be covered in, in uh, the next issue. I don't know. Well, all right. Cause I, I don't think they, I don't think they really even identify who she is. I think in this may actually be an early or the first appearance. Of, I suspect it may be uh, yeah. in this book. Cause I was kind of wondering the same thing. So sorry. I know that's a little bit anticlimactic, but I don't remember the specifics on how she gets back. That's all right. We will definitely find out for sure. And I think, you know, I'm just going to throw in some more other thoughts I had on this one real quick is, you know, with Rachel, that was another character, you know, that we see. And then you see, you know, the, the new brotherhood of mutants as well too, I thought was really cool to see that and how they kind of called each one out a little bit. I really like that too. And I liked <laughs> they blob get to, they get to uh, get a was I'll get the phrase right. They get along about as well as the members of Cobra. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was like leaving that through and I'm like, oh yeah, this is typical. They're all up for you know they're all up for each other, which is the stereotypical, stereotypical, you know. Yeah. 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 <laughs> but still interesting and interesting characters as well, too. And I really liked it. And I'm you know, interested to see where it goes from here. I did a quick bit of research, by the way, whilst we were chatting. And, yep, this is the first appearance of Rachel, X-Men 141. And I, I had it in my mind that somehow she was uh, related to Scott or and or Jean. And I've cheated a little because when I looked that up, they referred to her as Rachel Summers. And I was like, ah, okay. So sh- there's something there. Yeah. Interested to find out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, yeah. I'm getting interested in the next one, everybody. Get excited. Whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> All right. Well, does anybody have anything else you want to add about this that hasn't already been talked about or, you know, it's 
I can totally understand. It is a iconic issue. I will just say just quickly to reflect back to when we started reading these folks back in 95, just to see how far they've come along as a team yeah, and how much mm-hmm. they're really starting to gel together. It's It just makes it a little bit more interesting to see. Like, I want to see how they handle this fight with um, the new brotherhood of evil mutants. Yeah, definitely. Because it, it, the team has changed. And the Brotherhood of Mutants has changed as well, too. That goes back to my, my comment I was going to say with the Brotherhood of Mutants and the Blob. He's like, I recognize Angel, but I don't know who you guys are. You're not the X-Men I know. <laughs> and like, then someone had the goal to say, we're better. I think that's what Wolverine said. No, like, we're oh, better. Boy, here we go. <laughs> here we go. Better back that up. Yeah. You've been in jail. You don't got a TV going on. You don't know. <laughs> but anyway, I thought that was really cool to see so looking forward to the next few issues if that is what the crusaders club choose though choose we will find it. out choose it i have a feeling i have a feeling though if jared said he if jared says he's starting to like it will that is he just using that to turn uh, them away psychological warfare. <laughs> don't be duped by jared's all right well with that let's go ahead and get into our rating for this oh wait before oh you know what we really skipped over a lot we didn't do a silly Spidey, silly Spidey moment. moment. No, we didn't. <laughs> I didn't know if we were still doing silly Spidey you know moments. I, I totally skipped over that, re- man. Replace that. I, totally I had a silly Spidey that. moment, but it's like, I guess. I think we can blame this on Auburn Elvis in the karma count. Yeah. <laughs> uh, to blame it on me. I've totally skipped over that part. I wanted to get into rating so quickly. <laughs> I think you, you guys mentioned some silliness on that one. So you know what? For me, for was me it was when the when the lady came in and she was like, "You're a loser, bench." And he's like, "Well, I do go with you, so I guess I am." Mine would have been that lady too. That she had some funny bits, and then she comes back. <laughs> she <laughs> buy me a steak and whatever. I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah, I do the same thing. You buy me a steak or whatever. Yeah. All right, well, let's go ahead and find out who went the extra mile in this issue. Jason, who went the extra mile? Well, it was more time than miles, but I got to give it to Kitty Pride. She's really putting it on the line there and risking her life in her current present to go back to the past and try to save the future. Whew. Say that three times fast. I'm dizzy right now. I'm just thinking about it. Jared, who is the extra mile in this one? Um, yeah, I hadn't thought about it. I probably should have because it's part of the show, but, um, let's go with Kitty Prime. <laughs> She's the one holding it all together. Sure. So I'm going to give it to Kitty Pride uh, with an honor. Speaking of holding it all together, I guess I have to give an honorable mention to Mystique because she's got, uh, she's got like Cobra got Commander levels of difficulty yeah, yeah, going yeah. on, with you, but they're somehow <laughs> able to kind of quasi to. Uh, put a plan together but no ultimately i think it has to be kitty prize she's the she's the through line i think of this story so yeah um yeah i'm not gonna call her sprite though can yeah, i give no, her I an honorable mention because can you give one yes yeah because like looking at here at all the folks that have been killed or captured the one x-men they can't get the wolverine, wolverine. yep yeah I easily could give it to wolverine yep yeah catching I'm him gonna, you ain't catching wolverine and I'm going to give mine because you guys kind of, you know, Kitty, you want to say that. So I'm just going to go off to another honorable mention, and that's going to be Magneto. Even though they don't show it, 
you can just probably tell the power that he had to do in that to, you know, did he make it? Did he not make it mm-hmm. from holding back? Um, That's as true. They came. I guess Wolverine we could have shout in. out to Franklin too. Yeah, man. <laughs> he didn't make it. <laughs> what did he do though? You know? uh, <laughs> well, you know, Magneto is an attractive option. He has his positives. He has his negatives. Negatives. Uh, yeah. that's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, all right. Let's go ahead and get to the ratings for this issue. And it is a one through five rating. Five is you loved it. It gave you a ring to swing from. Four, you really liked it. Three, liked it. Two, didn't like it. And one, you hated it. It turned you into a baby. And I bet you Magneto probably wanted to go back to being a baby. Let's start the bar with Jared. Here we go. Let's get it over Let me say this. Four. For the first time, I'm going to give an X-Men book a five. It's a five. <laughs> it, has, it has a perfect cover. It has perfect art throughout. It has That's all we need for today, everybody. Thank you for coming. <laughs> it has a compelling storyline. This is the first issue of X-Men that I have read that has lived up, in my opinion, strictly to my opinion, has lived up to its billing. Wow. It, it wasn't overly wordy. It was brisk. It was interesting. No. I'm in. I'm in at a five. Let me, let me ask you this. Because you're saying that it lived up to the wording and all that, is it because you've read the prior stuff before that helped build that? Maybe so. I mean, <laughs> it's not going to sound flattering. But like I've been so annoyed by things <laughs> in the past that I, yeah. I get to this one. Because um, like we saw the death of Jean Grey, and that was just so wordy and cumbersome. And she had yeah. such a... Remember my big complaint was she had an unceremonious death. It was so random. Yeah. Shot in the like, back yeah. by a laser <laughs> Yeah, it's like a random laser <laughs> shot. Like, what? Um, th- no, uh, maybe so, Pat. Uh, I can't say for sure. All I know is perfect cover, perfect art, good pacing, which has been my biggest complaint with Claremont. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, I think the man is a creative genius, but I don't think he's... I oftentimes think he l- lacks in execution, and here it all came together. So perfect five for me. i love to hear that score. So, Jason, where are you on the scale? Well, I can't come in under my brother. So <laughs> like, I, I like it a three. <laughs> no, in all seriousness, Jared hit all the high notes. It's a great plot. Jared's absolutely right. Chris can overstay his welcome sometimes on some of these story arcs. He doesn't do that, in my opinion, in this entire story arc. It's very lean, but very compelling. Well thought out plot. Beautiful artwork. Great pacing. It's a classic. It's a five. Well, I am agreeing with what both of you said. There's nothing more I can add to this. We've all said a lot about it. So it's going to be a one, two, three, four, five. Make you get down. Get on now. This is five, man. This is does everything for you in this one from the chat delvin says he's driving and listening and he said jared giving the five almost made me faint so safety first delvin (laughs) eyes on the road (laughs) hands at 10 and 2 10 and (laughs) 2 oh man it finally all came together every bit of it every bit of it this is i got you guys know better than me but i'm gonna say it from jared's point of view this is claremont and burn at the peak of peak. their powers, right? Just, yeah, I was thinking about that. This is them um, really gelling together at this moment. Let's see what those in the chat gave Got us. you covered. Got you covered. It's a lot of fives. Uh, we got Head Speaks at a five. Jim Meal at a five. Albert Nelvis at a five. Delvin 
possibly in an automobile accident. I'm going to assume he also <laughs> gives it a five. <laughs> and the five-star pile up. Wishing him the best. Um, just for some additional info, our behind-the-scenes reporter. Auburn Elvis is going to be like that weatherman, like at the Weather Channel. When they cut to him and he's out in the storm, just like reporting, he's interviewing the storm. He's out there. He said, I read how Rachel got into the 616 timeline. Kitty's mind comes back to her timeline and even though Kate stopped the assassination, the future still exists. So Rachel uses her powers to send her whole body and mind through the time stream. Thanks for spoiling I, it, Auburn yeah. Elvis. I, I would say spoiler, but I don't understand how that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's a very Claremontian thing, apparently, that we're going to see in the future. But uh, <laughs> that's all in the past. Huh? All right. Oh, <laughs> Ooh. that's all just water under the bridge. Uh, oh, wait. Well, yeah. yeah. Kathy also anyway. says she has not read it. Ah, someday, Kathy. Someday. All right. Well, thank you, those in the chat. We do really appreciate you chatting along and playing along with us. So that'll bring this part to the end of the show. You got a comment or a question, send us an email at contact at longboxcrusade.com or make a comment on the Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook page. You can also give us a call and leave a voice message that we might play on the show later on in the show. After we get through all the comments, there's a spot for voicemail and we would love to continue to add more messages to the show. Just leave us a message by calling 707-532-5269. That is 707-532-LBOX. Pick up the phone, governor. Ring it, dang it. Rangy dangy, it's for you. <laughs> we will be right back. Two hundred and twenty nine different characters spanning the galaxies of the Legion of Superheroes, presented across seven comic book issues. A new miniseries as part of the Who's Who podcast. To handle this many characters, the Irredeemable Shag is bringing in a ringer. Or maybe we should call them flight ringers. Who's who in the Legion of Superheroes? Who's who in the Legion of Superheroes? Who's who in the Legion of Superheroes? The Legion of Superheroes. The Legion of Superbloggers team up to present Who's Who in the Legion of Superheroes, a three-episode miniseries in 2017, part of the Who's Who podcast on the Fire & Water Podcast Network. Long live the Legion. Welcome back from the break. Let's get into the feedback part of the show where we share your comments, emails, questions, shares, all that stuff in a segment called Crusader Comments. We are thrilled to kick off these comments with special shout-outs to Crusaders Club members. These are the fine folks who have joined our crusade. They enjoy early access to special long box episodes. They get to vote to determine show content. As you heard today, they picked this X-Men comic and so much more. These are the folks reaping the benefit and giving much appreciated support to the show. And Helica Wolf. Auburn Elvis. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Braxton Underwood. Captain Entropy. Clinton Robinson. Dave Collins. Battle Wagon. Ezra Gallo. Great gift giver. Gerald Green. Jason Lady. Jason Keen. Jeremy L. Jim German, Jim German, Jim German, Jim German. I hope you like Jim German too. Jim Meal. Joe Thomas. 
John Watson. Josh Strickland. Candace Ward. Captivating Kathy Bright, the MVP. Mark Ross, a.k.a. Cluck Trent. Maxwell Traver. Michael Wagner. Miranda W. P.D. Devins. Paul Hicks. Rick from Jeff and Rick Present. Rob Morgan. Ryan Daly. Samantha Maney. Sean Urbanski. Mighty 67. Steve Cronin. Spreadsheets. Timmy. Tim Price. Tony Pennington. And Toronto Cop. If we miss anyone on the list, we apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance of release. So if you're a recent edition, we will add you soon. Just no worries about it. You can always send an email to contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it straightened out. You can also send your recipes to contact at longboxcrusade.com, and we will try them on the show, which is a bit we did in the first couple of years of the show, and it kind of faded out. But gosh dang it, send us a recipe, contact at longboxcrusade.com. We will eat it on the show and let you know what we think. <laughs> Jared brings back old bits. As a reminder, you can become a Crusaders Club member by heading over to patreon.com slash longboxcrusade for as little as $1 a month. You get access to the amazing world of the Creators Club. Come check it out. How much access? Well, Jared, you can get all the access. <laughs> all the access. Like, you know, some people just say some. Mm-hmm. Some people say most of the access, but mm-hmm. no. Oh. oh, it's all the access. All the access. Rick the Heineken to- knows it's all the access. He's just joined us in the chat. Yeah, Rick knows all the access. I mean, and you don't believe? Come and check it out. I've Absolutely. heard that it's all the access. Absolutely. You know what? In these tough times, if you don't have a dollar a month, we understand that too. How about just giving us a, a good favorable review on your favorite podcast platform or on YouTube? Maybe go check out and see some of these podcasts we've posted on YouTube. Give them a thumbs up, write a comment. Man, that's really appreciated. All right, let's get into our shares and our retweets from Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles episode 65, where we were in July of 1980, looking at Amazing Spider-Man number 209 and X-Men 138. These are the folks who did the share or the retweet, you know, spread that word. So go ahead, Ben. I'm just laughing at Rick's chat in the comment. That's true. That's part of all the access, really. It is. <laughs> Rick said, you even get a bed with a cat at Weasel Skull's house. As far that's, as true. That's, that's true. That's true. How many folks do we have in this chat now? Uh, like eight? Yeah, there we go. I've got enough for everybody can have a cat. <laughs> there there we go. You get a cat. You, you, you get, get a cat. cat. <laughs> everybody oh, yeah. gets a cat. Meow. You're all winners. <laughs> Meow. <laughs> anyway, Pat, right. kick off this uh, shared retweet list for us. And, and and just as a reminder, for all those out there who are doing the likes and the thumbs up, we love you. The list just got really long, and we're really happy about that. Uh, so we're just reading the people who share and retweet now and really spreading the word. But we still love you folks who are giving us likes. So who are those shares and retweets, people, Pat? Well, I'm going to start us off with Fam Film Fridays podcast. <laughs> All right, I'll follow it up with Days of High Adventure podcast. Between the Pages blog. A relatively geeky podcast network. The Bat Pod. Max Reads Comics. And the one, the only, the Dame Deborah Smith. Ah, yes. Feel warm and fulfilled inside now. All right, we got an email from Crusaders Club member Captain Entropy. And that's in regards to X-Men number 138, and more specifically, Comics for Courage. Captain Entropy writes, Gents, 
I wrote the email below on the Saturday after Thanksgiving. And I thought I'd send it, but it was stuck in my outbox. <laughs> so we've been waiting on this one. It's emails from future past. All right. Uh, here's hoping late is truly better than never. Happy New Year. And then he goes on to say, Crusaders, thanks for another fun episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles. Regarding X-Men number 138, this was my third X-Men comic, so I really needed the history lesson, and I really enjoyed it. It was 1980, so I was fine with all those words. I think all comics writers were wannabe novelists back then. <laughs> and now they're wannabe screenwriters. Uh, so I'm fine with either approach if they do it well and things keep moving. And then he goes on to share a picture uh, with us of some long boxes of comics. Here are some pictures. Oh, I stand corrected. Short boxes. Here are some pictures of short boxes of comics in the Support Our Troops lobby. No offense regarding the short boxes, because, <laughs> you know, we're long boxes. They're just <laughs> less unwieldy, more wieldy, whatever. Anyway, I donated these and delivered them earlier this year. I was not wearing anything to conceal my true identity, which is already obscure and uninteresting, so I'm not in the photo. The Support Our Troops crew, they were all at lunch, so I left the boxes of comics there in the lobby with a note. They sent me a very nice thank you letter in which they told me how much the service members would enjoy the comics. I think they will, too. I know I enjoyed it when I got comics in a care package, also chocolate, beef jerky, sunflower seeds, but I digress. I have to switch my food thoughts to game snacks and now and prep to watch the big game this afternoon. I have a feeling some of you might be doing the same. I wish you all the best of luck. You know how I'll sign off, even though I know you'll never say it on air. I don't know why he would say that because he signs off with War Eagle. I'm pretty sure that's mm -hmm. what that says. Yeah. Um, War Eagle. That's the way I read it. I'm with him on that. Mm -hmm. uh, can't <laughs> sign Captain Entropy. So I think that is truly awesome. I saw at least four long boxes of comics sitting in the Support Our Troops lobby. He hand-delivered them. That's a cause we've championed since the beginning of Long Box Crusade. Yeah, so, really appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Uh, he, he brought up something in the PS that I've kind of been meaning to address. We still play the Long Box Crusade advertisement on the show a lot. They've actually changed their address hmm. since the one we have on the, on the uh, promo. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm certain if you send it the one the promo, it's going to get forwarded, but if you're into it, if you're listening to this, you want to be part of the Comics for Courage initiative, where basically you send in the comics you don't want to folks downrange military people. Jason and I can both attest that receiving comics and care packages is awesome. Uh, it is. With your downrange. Um, please send them support our troops. And if you if you hear our promo, uh, just know that you can always just go Google the support our troops address. And they may have a new one. Just send it there. We'd really appreciate it. So thank you, Captain Entropy, for doing your thank part. Thank you, Captain. Yeah, that is awesome to see. Very, very cool. I mean, there's going to be a lot of happy, happy yeah. soldiers, sailors, airmen out there getting these uh, comics. That that makes my heart swell, much like the Grinch at the end of the cartoon. I don't want to say, you know, when speaking about Comics to Courage, too, we do have Professor Allen does also provide Comics to Courage. And, he, mm -hmm. you know, and we may have forgotten that in the past, so we want to thank professor allen too for doing that yeah i think he's donated multiple times yes okay let's get into the comments from episode 65 and let's see what people were writing in go ahead take the first one pat all right well i'll take this one from alburn elvis himself and he goes i lols when you mentioned how many inkers that spider-man issue had because my first recollection was isn't that the dark slash over inked issue it felt like they were adding extra ink to it not to have to draw slash color as much uh and d ray's apple comment was spot on though 
Hashtag Spider Woman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there were. I remember that one. There was like a bunch of yeah. anchors on that. Yeah, there was. Definitely. All right, Jason, what you got? Well, the next one is from Tim Price, the pod crasher himself, and he's replying to our at Longbox Crusade, and it looks like uh, also to you, Pat, and a few others. He says, what the? Calypso debuted in Amazing Spider-Man 209? I had no idea. That alone made this issue worth reading. But yes, the art is pretty great. For the McFarlane Spider-Man series, Pat might be remembering the gruesome hallucinations Spidey had of Craven or of Calypso in her Cravenish garb. And that's the one I remember. It, yeah, it I think that's what I was thinking. That book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think we're all shocked to find out that Calypso's first appearance was in Spider yeah. 2. I was, yeah. <laughs> I always thought it was in Adjectiveless Spider Man 1. <laughs> mm-hmm. Who knew? Not a lot of people, apparently. I got to give a bad shout out to the send in from Sean Urbanski, who said, this is at Yard Sale Artist reviewing X-Men number 138. And he used the image uh, from the movie Night Shift, where Michael Keaton's looking at a, at a picture of Henry, Henry Winkler's girlfriend. And he says, nice frame. <laughs> so, uh, the joke is not lost on me, Sean. That was very, very funny. I cracked up wholeheartedly. I'll take another one from Scott O'Neill. And Scott says, they kicked Cyclops off the team because he won the $3,000 Toys R Us shopping spree and only filled up one duffel bag worth of stuff, right? (laughs) Oh, man, that's a good one. All right. And I guess the last one here is from Ben uh, Stower. I hope I'm saying that right. And he says, the X-Men classic reprint of 138 was my first introduction to the X-Men as a 10-year-old. And boy, howdy, was I ever hooked after that. I know the feeling, Ben. Read that first X-Men one and you get hooked. Absolutely. Thank you to everybody who made comments. We do love hearing that so much. And of course, we also love hearing voicemails. 707-532-5269, 707-532-LONGBOX. Or just Pick up the phone. Pick up the phone. You know what to do. All right. Leave us a list. Thank you to everyone for those uh, likes, shares, retweets, follows, comments, man. We just appreciate your friendship and spreading the word about all of our podcasts. And we just really like the family we've built around us. Definitely. Thank you all. And that's the show. Be sure to check out the website, longboxcrusade.com, where posts will be made for journaling this crusade. I want to give a a big thank you to Jared, Jason, and Delvin from the chat, along with everybody else in the live chat with us today. Thank you all for being here. It means so much for us. We really do appreciate your support and the conversations that you have in the chat. It's great to see. But before we go, let's find out where the listeners can find us on the internet. Jason? You can find me at Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram. Jared? I'm at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. It's all at Yard Sale Artist. And you can check out my wares at www.theyardsaleartist.com. Back to you, Pat. And I am at Christatos01. And if you want to interact with us via live chat, like the chat today. And be entered in to win some free stuff on our live raffles. Join us on our next episode of Doing It Livestream on YouTube. And that's the second Sunday of every month at 3.30 p.m. Central Time. Check out the Longbox Crusade on YouTube and make sure you're hitting that subscribe button. And also make sure you're please, please hitting that like button and making some comments. 
in the comments below. We really do appreciate it and helps boost us on the YouTube. Click Thank the you. like button and then comment with, I liked it. I liked it. Oh, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed this episode of Amazing Spider-Man Chronicles. You got a comment or a question, email us at contact at longboxcrusade.com or leave a comment on the Longbox Crusade Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter page, all at Longbox Crusade. Until next time, take care and please join us on the next episode as we continue on the crusade to read The intro music is provided by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J-O-S-E-F-L-I-N-9-9. You won't regret it. All songs, song clips, and characters discussed are copyright of their respective copyright holders, and no infringement is intended. We are just fans that like to share our love of comics. Outtakes. Oh, man, that was funny. Uh, we I hope I hit the right sure. one. Hey, is everybody out there? Can anybody out there hear us? I see a live going. Live 13, 14, 15. If you're not subscribed, go ahead and subscribe, but definitely hit the like button. Um, I've been doing a lot of studying on YouTube algorithm, and it's all about the likes. It's all about the uh, likes and the comments, man. The likes and comments will get us the algorithm to push us up and help present our videos to others, people mm -hmm. that are uh, out there looking I mean, as you scroll through stuff. So even if you just think our show is like a piece of poop, then click yeah, the like I button. Like yeah. it. Yeah. Like it. That's yeah, like a piece of poop. Like, <laughs> and then just think to yourself, a piece of poop. <laughs> I'm looking at you, Jim Meal. Yeah, I see you. I Jim, see we you need you to like that. Jim? Jim, are you liking us? <laughs> I hate sounding needy. <laughs> Please, God. <laughs> Please, Jim. Oh my God! For just one like a day, <laughs> you can you feed could. an LBC. I can feed one of my cats for just one like a day. You keep the lights on in for Clinton in the basement. <laughs> just one hour a day. One like gives him one hour of light to Clinton in the basement. So, please help us out. All right, All right scripts up, pants down. down. Let's not Ain't mess no around any further. Time to mess around. Let's podcast. Let's come on, the two claps. All right. You had that beginning. You had that beginning. It was down. I was like, oh, yeah, I'm digging that. <laughs> that sounded just like it. <laughs> pick up the phone. There you go. A digital pick up the phone from Melbourne Opus. Thank you. Love it. If you want to just call us and leave a voice message that just says pick up the phone, we'll take that. <laughs> That's right. We can make a big or if you call, leave a it. message that's just Yo Joe. Remember, we'll always add yep. Yo Joes to our uh, GI Joe podcast at the end. So I'll do that. Or you could call and say, "I picked up the phone." <laughs> <laughs> Let's head on over to Jason to give us a story synopsis. Quite a lot going on in this one, folks. I tried to keep it brief. Here we go. And, and that's why I didn't say short synopsis. I, I appreciate that. I noticed you edited yourself. You know, it looked shorter on the email when I sent it to you. Bum, 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 bum. <laughs> that's funny. Okay. <laughs> we'll add that to outtakes. 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 <laughs>